On today's edition of the Cigar Dave Show, a big report coming out about premium cigars that the FDA authorized. Florida amends their smoking ban, but good news for premium cigar connoisseurs. My take on the State of the Union, Ukraine, Russian oligarchs, NATO, and a decline in male sperm counts. I wonder why we have the answers for you. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos, will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations, fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com and by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of traditions, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage today, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Well, we are jammed today. Much going on in the world, needless to say. What is taking place in Ukraine? Russia attacking. Absolute, horrific, absolute disaster. And I have some takes on what is going on there. But as always, I welcome you to the only show in the entire world. Whereas alpha males, we bond, we enjoy conversational maneuvers about cigars, spirits, dice, dames, diversions, politics, the topics of the day. It is your global five-star general alpha male-in-chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa. And as always, I extend to you my long-ass greetings and salutations, a snappy salute. Save America. More than ever before, it is imperative we save America and screw the enemies of pleasure. First up, the FDA, or should I say the FUDA, and we know why they are the FUDA, the uh, enemies of pleasure. There was a lawsuit, a number of lawsuits, but there was a lawsuit that was filed several years ago. In August 2020, just as the pre-market requirements were set to go into effect for cigars and other tobacco products. The Cigar Association of America, et al., including several other organizations, or as they say in Canada, organizations, sued in federal court that the FDA had not properly evaluated whether its one-size-fits-all approach for regulating cigars was appropriate for premium cigar regulation. Specifically, the plaintiffs the Cigar Association of America, I believe it was also the Cigar Rights of America, and I believe it was the uh, IPCPR at the time, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, argued that the FUDA had failed to do enough research on the issue, which is required by law. So just as the judge was about to rule, the FDA came out and said, okay, fine, what we will do is, before we enact anything, we will do more exploration, more research on the subject of premium cigars. So they commissioned the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, NASM, 
to conduct research, to hold hearings, to get input from what they call stakeholders, the cigar industry, from the enemies of pleasure, from scientists, to determine whether or not premium cigars should qualify as a separate type of tobacco product and should be excluded from regulation or should be included in regulation. The hearings began last summer. So just about eight, nine, ten months ago. And they went on through the fall. And the NASM, the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, is releasing their much-anticipated report next Thursday in a webinar at 11 a.m., Thursday, March 10th. You can be sure this connoisseur-in-chief, your global five-star general, will be on the webinar. I am signed up, and I am expecting the absolute worst, because let's face it, you know that the FDA is not going to go to an impartial group. They are going to find a group, and they did find a group, which is loaded with enemies of pleasure, ultra-liberals, the Berkeley crowd, the people from the People's Republic of California. I mean, the list of people that are on this committee reads like a directory, a who's who of pleasure police and enemies of pleasure. Even though the cigar industry provided numerous hours of testimony and numerous reports stating that premium cigars are not purchased by children, they're not marketed to children, they're enjoyed by adults in moderation, you can be absolutely positive that the National Academy of Sciences Engineering and Medicine report will be loaded with anti-premium cigar vitriol. You can be certain that they are going to come out and state that the FDA should absolutely regulate premium cigars and that they should not be considered to be different because they are still a tobacco product. And you can be sure that there'll be even more lawsuits after this comes out. And what the FDA will then do is use this report to reenact the legislation under the Smoking Act that was signed under law, uh, into law by Barack Obama way back. They will then circle back, as Jen Psaki likes to say, cinnamon. They will say, this is proof, after an exhaustive study, that premium cigars should be looked at for further regulation. Now, this is what the email promoting the release of the study said from NASM. This new report examines four premium cigar topics, product characteristics, patterns of use, marketing and perceptions, and health effects. The resulting report includes 13 findings, 24 conclusions, and nine priority research recommendations for federal support. Does that sound to you like it's going to be a positive outcome for the premium cigar industry and for premium cigar connoisseurs. So they look at four topics, and they come up with 13 findings, 24 conclusions, nine priority research recommendations. So let's look at the topics. Product characteristics. It's actually pretty easy. What is a premium cigar? Simple. It is a cigar that is comp comprised of strictly natural cigar tobaccos. There is no paper, there is no additives. It is strictly cigar tobaccos that are fermented 
The nicotine is dissipated naturally, no other chemicals. That's the product characteristic. Patterns of use, simple. Premium cigars are smoked and purchased by adults. You don't see 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds on a grade school playground smoking a, uh, a $15 Arturo Fuente Hemingway or a $25 Padron Family Reserve. You don't see it. Does not happen. So patterns of use, adults. Marketing and perceptions, cigars are not marketed to children. There are very limited methods in which cigar, premium cigars are marketed, primarily through radio shows, podcasts such as the Cigar Dave Show, various print publications that are all targeted to adults. You don't see kids featured in ads. You don't see any cigar manufacturers, premium cigar manufacturers, trying to place any cartoon characters or any other type of characters in their ads. They are geared towards adults, period. Perceptions, premium cigars that cost on average in the $7, $8, $9 category now, they're smoked by adults. Health effects, we know that in moderation, a cigar is fine. I don't advocate people smoking five cigars a day, but many people did back in the day. My grandfather, Cigar Abe, smoked five cigars a day. George Burns smoked five cigars a day. I don't advocate that. Nobody has the time to smoke five cigars per day. But when enjoyed in moderation, premium cigars do not have any significant health effects. Now, I have some people I know who, during the pandemic, went from two cigars a week to like seven, eight cigars a day. And my answer to them, my, my statement to them was, you need to back off. Now you're using it as an addiction. You're not even enjoying the cigar. You're smoking it to have something in your mouth. You may as well be smoking cigarettes. And after they thought about it, they said, you're exactly right, and they backed off. I don't know of any cigar manufacturer that advocates for people to go out and smoke five cigars a day of their own product. doesn't happen. does not happen. The average cigar connoisseur smokes maybe two cigars a week, one to two. That's it. So I'm giving you what the report should say. Product characteristics, naturally aged cigar tobacco, no chemicals, no additives, patterns of use, they're smoked by adults, consumed by adults. Marketing, perceptions, they are marketed to adults. In fact, many cigar, premium cigar retailers don't even allow anyone under the age of 18 and now 21 into the stores. It used to be 18. Now the, ra uh, the, the smoking age has been raised, which is also ridiculous. Health effects, everything in moderation. Alcohol, wine is a known carcinogen in excess. We don't tell people to go out and drink a bottle of wine a day. Have a glass a day. Have a glass every other day. Have a couple of glasses a week. We don't say go out and drink a bottle, no matter how premium that wine is. It's the exact same for premium cigars. So next Thursday, 11 a.m., you can be sure that I will immediately post on social media the findings. I am not optimistic about the release of the NASM report, the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. I, my prediction right now, it will be very negative. It will be geared towards the FDA. It will be a product of enemy, known enemies of, uh, enemies of pleasure and pleasure police. And they will 
recommend that the FDA conduct further research and examination to further regulate premium cigars. Because as we know, the government just can't stay out of our business. And especially when you have a liberal Democrat-controlled Congress or administration or the deep state. They can't help themselves. They believe it is their right to interfere in your lives. Speaking of interfering in your lives, we have seen the proliferation of smoking bans across the country. It started in the People's Republic of California going back 20 years ago. And initially all they said was, we just don't want smoking in buildings and in restaurants. And everybody said, fine, no problem. Makes sense. And restaurants and bars went out and they spent large sums of money on investing into outdoor covered patios where people could dine, people could smoke their cigars, people could enjoy themselves. All good. But then the enemies of pleasure, the pleasure police, came back and said, well, since it's so successful, banning smoking in restaurants and in bars and in buildings, now we want to expand it to outdoors. And that is exactly what took place. Once you give the enemies of pleasure an inch, they'll take a foot. You give them a foot, they'll take a mile. You give them a mile, they'll take a hundred miles. You let the cockroach in the door, in your house, and they will soon multiply and swarm. Same thing with smoking restrictions. Now, about 15 years ago, in the state of Florida, there was a constitutional amendment asking should there be a ban on smoking in public buildings, the Indoor Clean Air Act? And it passed. I think it passed by 56%. Ironically, if it went today in front of the electorate, it probably would not pass because you are now required to have a supermajority, 60%, to enact a, uh, a constitutional amendment to the Florida Constitution. So it was enacted. And then starting about three, four years ago, we started to see a wave where we saw the enemies of pleasure. We saw the pleasure police come in and start to say, look, since it's been so successful inside, we are now seeing such problems in outdoor parks and on beaches. We need to do something about that. And there was a, an effort. It started with the Democrats. And then a few Republicans started to jump on the bandwagon. And they did it under the guise of trash, litter. There were cigarette butts on the beach. Now, I have been to many beaches in Florida. I have not seen any cigarette butts. But that was the excuse that they use. And remember, they will lie. They will manipulate the truth to achieve the end. To them, the ends justify the means. Well, state, Florida State Senator Joe Gruters Republican of Sarasota, or should I say enemy of pleasure, son of a bitch, Sarasota, created a bill to allow local governments to ban smoking on beaches and in parks. Now, initially, the way that the Florida Indoor Clean Air Act was written and passed by voters stated that that amendment would supersede all other smoking laws in the state. So, for example, if a local city or a county said, well, the state's 
Fine, you can't smoke indoors. You can still smoke in a bar as long as less than 10% comes from food. We want to amend that. No, no dice. Couldn't do it. Very clear, in fact, a number of municipalities sued the state, and the state won clearly. The judge clearly, in every case, stated it says in the Constitution, first line, or the second or third line, this constitutional amendment shall supersede all other smoking laws and regulations in the state of Florida. But that never deters the enemies of pleasure. So an amendment was proposed, first in the House, for local governments to ban all kinds of smoking on beaches and parks. But there was tremendous backlash since Florida is the cigar state. There are more cigar manufacturers that are based here, that produce cigars, grow tobacco here, than any other state in the country. Miami, Tampa, tremendous history. Florida is the cigar state any way you look at it, starting in Key West, then when Florida became the cigar city, and then, of course, in Miami, Little Havana. But there was an amendment for cigars. Initially, the bill that was proposed in the House and the Senate said no smoking whatsoever on beaches and in parks, that local governments would have that option. Well, one of the co-sponsors in the Senate, Joe Gruters, who, as I mentioned, succumbed and said, my plan was not to go after cigars, but cigarettes, primarily their butts. And here's what he said, all these cleanup days we do year after year, the number one item that's always found are the cigarette butts. I always say we want freedom, but at the same time, we want quiet, peaceful enjoyment without putting your hands in your sand and picking up someone's cigarette butts. Groters, uh, Senator Joe Gruters is full of bullshit. He is blatantly lying, and he knows he's lying. There are no butts all over, all over beaches. Anywhere you go, there are signs that say, no littering, there's a fine, there's garbage cans everywhere. Not buying it. But they can conveniently use that excuse. Are you telling me there's cigarette butts in parks all over the place? No chance. But again, they take one small thing, small issue, and say, oh, I found one cigarette butt, therefore it is on every beach, and I'm going to use that to pass legislation. Now, he talks about we're all for freedom. I thought that Republicans, conservatives, were about freedom. Freedom to make up your own decision. Less government interference. Less government intervention. The Republicans and the Democrats today, I call them the Uniparty. Because there's no difference. State Senator Joe Gruters in the state of Florida, perfect example. He may as well be a Democrat. He may as well be an, he is an enemy of pleasure. But the good news is for cigar connoisseurs, Republican State Senator Jason Brodeur requested that an amendment be made for cigars. And so premium cigars will be allowed to be smoked in parks and in beaches. So there is an exemption for premium cigars. Now, should a mass market cigar that is not a premium cigar be allowed? I think it should. Now, do you think that there's going to be the pleasure police saying, oh, he's smoking a premium compared to a mass market cigar? I doubt it. 
But this is a way for them to get through it, saying, hey, premium cigars are important to Florida, therefore, let's get this thing passed. But my point being here is we don't need more regulation. We don't need more Republicans, conservatives, who say they are for freedom to interfere in our freedoms. There's nobody in Florida that's complaining about people smoking cigars, or even cigarettes for that matter, on beaches or in parks. It's a problem that didn't need a solution, because there was no problem. But it never fails. The enemies of pleasure, the pleasure police, will always come up with some lame excuse, an irrelevant excuse, to push more legislation. And again, I say to you, even if you don't smoke cigars, I don't smoke cigarettes, but I don't think there should be a ban on it. You're outside, and most people are polite. If you're next to somebody on a beach that said, excuse me, would you mind going down a little bit? Most people would be sure, no problem. If I was smoking a cigar at a wide open beach and somebody was relatively close, and they said, hey, you know, would you move? If they, didn't, no, they should just pick up and move. But if not, I'd say, sure, fine. I don't want anybody to have a problem with it. I want to enjoy my cigar in peace as well. Never fails to amaze me. When there are legitimately no problems, they must inflict their values, their enemy of pleasure dogma upon you. Never fails. Now, Governor Ron DeSantis still has to sign it into law. No word on when, if he will or he won't. I have a feeling he probably will because there is a carve-out for cigars. But again, there's nobody that's been running around complaining, jumping up and down. And the re reality is Florida has always been the state where you could go out, if you want to go to a park, have a cigar, but now we're going to limit it? Come on. And do police want to be writing tickets for people smoking a cigar in a park when there's nobody around? I think not. Dumb. Again, State Senator Joe Gruters, Joe Gruters, G-R-U-T-E-R-S, Republican, enemy of pleasure, Sarasota, the man that initially created this bill, a bill that should have never been proposed in the first place. To the enemies of pleasure, the freedom state of Florida is not the People's Republic of California. Gruters, if you love regulation so much, get the fuck out and go move to California because you're not wanted in the freedom and cigar state of Florida. The national, correction, international cigar litation and libation ceremony comes your way next. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant, it uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I have selected a cigar that I came across in my humidor at my Pleasure Palace that is probably now at least 15 years old. 
I remember I was visiting Rocky Patel headquarters down in Naples, Florida. And before I left, I picked up several boxes of cigars. Actually, I just went to the warehouse and I said, Rocky, I'm taking this, this, and this. And one of them was a box of Old World Reserve Maduros. Way back where they came in a really cool rustic wood box. And I was rearranging some boxes that were in my walk-in humidor. And I came across a box that, it was box 20 and there were maybe 17 cigars left. Maybe it was box 25, can't remember. But there were a ton of cigars. There was beautiful plume on these cigars because they were properly humidified. What's plume? Looks like a white powder, a white dust. That means the oils are releasing in the cigar. They are properly aging. I grabbed one and I said, I gotta smoke one of these. Square press cigar. Now the one thing, the blend has changed a little bit from the original Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro from 15 years ago to today, but they both still use a Costa Rican Maduro wrapper. Beautiful taste, exquisite. Lit it up, poured a wonderful glass of cognac, sat in the cigar lounge. It was magnificent. Beautiful taste, great aroma, nice notes of pepper, of cocoa, full-flavored, full-bodied, absolutely delicious. And I can't stop at one. So I've brought that cigar with me today. Now, even though this exact cigar is not available today, the Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro with a slightly slight variation in the blend, not huge, different packaging, now available, has been available for many years. Comes in three sizes, the Grande 6x60, the Robusto 5.5x54, and the Toro, which I have in my hand, 6.5x52. So the original sizes, they did come in some smaller sizes. They've limited the size. Now today, you're looking probably in the $9, $9.5 area. Well, it's about $9.5 to $10, $10.5, depending on where you go, for the Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro. I think at the time, the cigar was maybe in the $6 category, five and a half at the time. This is going back at least a dozen years, at least. But a beautiful cigar, the, just the aroma in my hand, even before it's lit, absolutely magnificent. Oily, chocolatey, dark, espresso-colored wrapper, magnificent. The Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro, the original version, is what I will enjoy today. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening. Double-edged. Stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, where the research scientists, where the white lab coats, the white pocket protectors, they're geeks. I'm just going to be straight up. They live, breathe, and eat fire-producing devices to create for yours truly. This is one of my favorites. I've been using it for a long time. I love it. It is the Five Star. Five butane jet flames arranged in a Pentagon design. It's got a translucent tank. It has got a built-in piercer. I can see that right now I've got about half of the tank that is filled. Just feel nice in the hand. Almost feels like a mini grenade. You know, it's the kind of weapon that what I would love to do is pull the pin on. And in fact, maybe I will get the Cigar Dave R&D Litation 
research scientists, to create what we call the Cigar Dave Grenade. So it's this size, nice amount of explosive, and once I press the button and then shove it up Vladimir Putin's little commie ass, I run, and in 10 seconds, Vladdy goes to kaput, to millions of pieces. The little Soviet bastard gets blown up. Now, I believe that there will be... I'm going to get on it. Well, I'll, I'll hold it for after lightation because I do want to pontificate on that. But this would be beautiful. I could shove it up his tuchus, boom, and then run like hell. And the nice thing about it, the designers would make it so only he would blow up, nobody else. That would be a beautiful thing. But in any event, the Cigar Day 5-star, that's what I would use today on my Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut, as always, with my cutting device. Now I will gently toast the foot of this Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro, and I will tell you that old is spelled like the old world, O-L-D-E, like they did back in Britain in the old world. Now I guarantee you, some lib, dem, enemy of pleasure would look and say, oh, that's a Rocky Patel oldie world reserve. Because let's face it, they're not the brightest people on the planet. It's the old world reserve Maduro, spelled O-L-D-E, in the old world tradition. All right, as I gently toast the foot of this. Now, this has a very, not a sharp box press, but it's got a, what I call a soft box press. Not a full, not really rectangular, but just rounded, nice shape in the hand. Taking my time, I'm allowing the heat to cause combustion of the wrapper. Man, the first few wafts of the aroma of this cigar, fantastic. Costa Rican Maduro wrapper, tough to find. As I puff and rotate. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Nice. Go on the foot. Need one touch up. Now let's check it. Perfect. And I should mention that the Rocky Patel Old World Reserve also comes in a Corojo wrapper. Now that particular cigar is made at a different factory. The Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro made at the Tavacusa factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, whereas the Corojo version is made in Honduras. Mm, very nice. Great cigar, I tell you, nice spice, boldness. Mm, espresso notes. As Rocky would say, it's smooth, it's spicy, notes of espresso, you're going to love it, guaranteed. Nobody works harder to make you a better cigar than Rocky Patel. And Rocky does work his ass off, I will admit that. Mmm, nice. In fact, I texted Rocky and uh, his brother Nish and his cousin Nimish and told them that I have some. They don't even have any down there that next time I visit Rocky Patel headquarters, I will bring these and we will celebrate, smoke uh, these fantastic cigars that uh, have been aged in excess now of 12, 13 years. Mm. Now, I've selected a wonderful accoutrement to go with 
by Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro. Scotch, bourbon, and beer commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. I have, I'm in the mood for rum, and I have selected a wonderful rum from Nicaragua. Now, this cigar, made in Nicaragua, the current version of it, this original was, uh, was made back in Honduras, but the current Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro made in Nicaragua, and I have selected a libation that is made in Nicaragua. It is the Flor de Caña 18 rum. This is a beautiful rum. Gonna run you about, eh, I don't know, maybe 48 bucks, 50 bucks, maybe a little bit less. Very nice rum. It is, actually it won the San Francisco World Spirits Competition in 2021. And it won the gold at the John Barleycorn Awards in 2019. 80 proof, 40% alcohol by volume. Let me pour some. Very good. Oh, yeah. Swirl that around. Wow. Very nice. I'm getting some very unique notes on the nose. I'm getting a little bit of nuttiness, a little bit of caramel, nice amber color to this. It's a full-bodied rum. We'll say cheers. Take a sip. Mmm. 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 Wow. Nice. Definite vanilla, some nice spiciness, nice smooth finish, a little bit of warmth. No sugar. And there's zero grams of sugar. And Florida Cana is actually their distillery and where they grow much of their uh, sugar cane is actually at the base of a volcano, the San Cristobal Volcano, the tallest, most active volcano in Nicaragua. So you get volcanic soil that is fertilized by the ashes, constantly expelled by the volcano. You get volcanic water, which is enriched by minerals uh, infiltrated into underground reservoirs. And the high volcanic temperature contributes to the evaporation rate of the rum, and you get a much more intense interaction between the barrel and the rum. So what you get is a very nice, exquisitely smooth rum. I just hope that the volcano doesn't erupt, because that would not be a good thing. But the Florida Cano uh, rum has been around, the Cano rum has been around for 130 years. In 1890, it was found by an Italian immigrant at the base of the volcano back in 1890. Incredible. So we will take another sip. Mm. Now in its fifth generation, interesting st uh, statistic. Only three in 10,000 family businesses make it to the fifth generation. That is astounding. You know what happens after the third generation and the fourth, they start fighting, they bicker. Some don't want to be in it. They want their money. Not easy in terms of family business. But the Florida Cana, very nice rum. They have a very nice selection of rums. And I'll tell you, for an 18-year-old rum, 50 bucks, this is fantastic. Let me take a puff of my Rocky Patel Old World Reserve Maduro. Mm. Very, very nice. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now I'll take a sip of the Florida Kanye 18. Mm. Very nice. Now they also have other expressions. They have a Florida Kanye 
57 Grand Reserva. They have a Florida Kanye 12. So they have a nice, they have a Florida Kanye 25. So they have a very nice uh, a range, and they even have their ultra luxury collection. They're 30. 30 year old ultra luxury rum aged in a single barrel since 1988. Comes in a magnificent box. Don't even know the price on that, but I'm sure it is up there. But I'll tell you, you don't have to break the bank. Florida Kanye, 18, 48, 50 bucks. Delightful. Absolutely magnificent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about State of the Union. I'll give you my take. Not going to spend a ton of time on it. And then we must talk about what is going on, the Russian aggression, invasion of Ukraine, the sanctions, the canceling of the Russian oligarchs. I have an interesting take that you may not, you may surprise you on that. And I'll give you a little background on what I believe was a mistake that was made way back by Western nations and NATO countries when Russia first went to a democratic country. When the Soviet Union fell, some key mistakes were made that I believe we're paying for today. Also, decline in male sperm counts. Why? I've got the answer. What I think is the answer, and you'll never believe. All of a sudden now, you probably have seen TV commercials that a number of colleges, medical schools, universities across the country, I think there's about 20, are now participating in an ivermectin study to determine the effectiveness of ivermectin. Isn't that amazing? They're only two years late to the party. And Stacey Abrams, the gubernatorial loser four years ago and the gubernatorial candidate today, this year, made an asinine comment comparing voting rights to what is going on in Ukraine. Never underestimate the ability for a Democrat, a liberal, to show their absolute stupidity at key times. I don't give a shit if she went to Harvard or not. She's stupid. And she proved it once again. The Cigar Dave show continues right around the corner. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Brainless Biden, State of the Union Address Tuesday evening. What an absolute disaster. First thing, did you note, normally when a president comes in, I don't care whether a Democrat or Republican, it was Bush, it was Reagan, it was uh, Bush, uh, uh, 40, uh, what was it, uh, Bush, George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, even Donald Trump. People were applauding. There was energy. There was excitement. There was no energy or enthusiasm from the time he walked in to the time he left. Normally, they all stand up and applaud. I mean, even the Democrats try to kiss, you know, a Republican's Republican president's ass. You know, they try to get an autograph, get a picture, whatever. There was no enthusiasm, no excitement whatsoever. And the reason there wasn't is because everybody in that House chamber knows Joe Biden is an illegitimately elected president. 
The Democrats know, the Republicans know, the rhinos know. The public knows. You don't win an election getting supposedly the most number of votes in presidential election history, even surpassing Barack Obama, who was a transformational candidate, by campaigning in your basement for a year. And then at your rallies, you have 20 people inside these cockamamie circles. All sorts of shenanigans. So there was no enthusiasm. There was no energy. And even during his speech, he stumbled, he mumbled. I mean, just delusional saying, we were prepared for Ukraine, for Russia's invasion. You were? You've known since November there's intelligence showing that they were starting to build up on the Ukraine border. Did you send any Stinger missiles? Did you send any other weapons over? Not a lick. And by the way, I get a kick out of so many of these Democrats and these libs and these, these talking heads and, and, and lib anchors on CNN and BSDNC say, well, this is President Trump's fault. This is Donald Trump's fault. Because Donald Trump, with that, with, with the, with that terrible call and that quid pro quo and trying to hold up aid, excuse me, let's not live in an alternative reality. It was President Trump that initially authorized in 2017 sending over the Javelin missile, a, a bunch of, ja I think, 100 and some odd Javelin missiles and 35 launchers, and then followed it up a couple of years later selling Ukraine even more. What did Barack Obama send Ukraine? Blankets and MREs, meals ready to eat. Please, let's not go to revisionist history, which is what the Dems always do. But no energy or enthusiasm whatsoever. It's not build back better. It's now build back America. And then he says, we need to make things in America. I want to see made in America. He, that's what President Trump was doing, bringing the supply chains back. Has Biden made any improvements since President Trump wanted to bring medicines back and, and, and bring the supply chain back? Not one. Has he been strong with China? Has he been strong with Putin, with Russia? No. Weak. And Putin got his go green light signal when he saw what a disaster the American pullout of Afghanistan turned out to be. An absolute disaster. Now, that was just, it was just, it was just a terrible speech. Just made no sense. There was just nothing in it that anybody was enthusiastic. Even Democrats that I've spoken to said, eh, same thing. We still have inflation. He's, he's, he, and then he says on inflation, we can address inflation by companies keeping costs down and keeping wages high. Huh? Excuse me, but companies pass on the cost to consumers. When they price a product, they look and factor in rising labor costs. They price in rising inflationary costs of raw materials and goods. Do you think a company just says, hey, let's just automatically increase our prices 8%, 10%, once, twice, three times a year? They raise their prices because their costs go up. So Biden's answer to rising inflation, companies need to keep their costs down and keep wages up. The man is literally brain dead. The man is beyond saving. Everybody knows it. And then watch, as I said, the three stooges up on the, on the podium. You had Kamila Harris, Nancy Pelosi, 
and brainless Biden. How about when Pelosi, Biden starts talking about the fire pits and that there's issues of cancer and we need to do something, and Pelosi gets up thinking it should be in a, 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 applause, a, a moment filled with applause, and then she like takes her two hands together like a seal. I'm trying to, can you hear that? Not clapping like this, but she knew she shouldn't have applauded, but she goes like a seal. The woman is odd. I think she had a little too many. I think she had a few few glasses of wine, and she was three sheets to the wind. That's my personal opinion. Very, very poor State of the Union. And I'm, in fact, Biden could have spared us, the entire country, an hour. He could have had a State of the Union address done in 15 seconds. Senators, members of the House, cabinet, members of the court, Supreme Court, Vice President Harris, Speaker Pelosi, my fellow Americans, the State of the Union is fucking atrocious. Everything I have touched in the last year has turned to shit. I resign. I recommend bringing back President Trump to save America. Thank you. God bless our troops and go get them. That was that all about. Go get them. Go get who? 15 seconds, he could have had the State of the Union done because everything he has touched has turned to shit in the last year. A year ago, we didn't have the massive inflation. A year ago, we had a far more secure border. We didn't have 200,000 illegal aliens pouring through and criminals and gang members pouring through. We didn't see the tremendous rise in crime with these stupid no-bail laws all over the country. We saw a world that was in relative peace instability. Everything he has touched in the last year has turned to absolute shit. And then let's move on to Ukraine and what Russia has done in the response. Vladimir Putin is a thug. He is a criminal. He is a bastard. He is a Soviet son of a bitch. As General Patton would say, we should go in and finish that damn son of a bitch. Patton wasn't wrong after World War II when he said, we're here, let's go finish those Russian bastards. He was right. Of course, at the time, the Soviets were our, our allies, even though the Soviets were ruthless sons of bitches. I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and that was the Soviets, but we knew down the road we were going to have problems with the Soviets, and we certainly did. Now, let's take a look back. This is something you will not hear at all on any of the talking heads, cable news, on any of the networks. You won't read it. Let's go back. 1991, when the Soviet Union fell, the Cold War is over, Boris Yeltsin is democratically elected the president of the Russian Federation. At that point, what should NATO, what should the West, what should the United States have done? Now, we reached out to them, but then within a very short time, we start adding more countries to NATO. Poland and Slovakia, all these other countries that were former members of the Soviet bloc all wanted to be in NATO. So NATO said, we're going to expand. And now Russia starts to feel threatened. Look, we didn't like it when we, there were, there were uh, 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 bombs 
and missiles 90 miles off our shore in Cuba. The Cuban Missile Crisis under President John F. Kennedy. How was that solved? The Russians moved them. So I get to a certain degree the fact that Putin doesn't want to have missiles you know, on his border. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, we, meaning this country and NATO countries, should at the time, what we did in World War II when we defeated the Nazis and defeated the Imperial Japanese and defeated Mussolini, what did we do? We didn't excoriate those countries. We helped rebuild them and brought them into the fold. They became our allies. We rebuilt Japan. Granted, we had uh, a General MacArthur there who oversaw things. Same thing in Germany. Same thing in Italy. We not only rebuilt their countries, we built them stronger than ever before, but at the same time, we also welcomed them into the nations, our group of nations where they became our allies, so we're all on the same page. Did we do that with Russia when Yeltsin was in there? The answer is no, we didn't. Remember, Yeltsin ruled, I think he was the president for eight or nine years. And then Putin, initially Yeltsin didn't want to promote Putin, but he did. I think Putin, I'm not sure if he was the vice president or what his position was at the time, but he was a hardline KGBer. To this day, still thinks of the glory days of the Soviet Union. We didn't do enough. Instead, NATO expanded and continued to operate as if Russia was our enemy, even though Boris Yeltsin goes in and you had a legitimately democratic, a democratically elected president and government, and things started to change in Russia. When did they change for the worse? When Putin came in after he was elected, he had to leave office. Vladimir or, or uh, um, uh, Medvedev becomes president, and then Putin stays as prime minister, and then Putin goes right back in. Remember when? President Barack Obama looked at Medvedev when he was president and said, listen, tell Vladimir that this is my last election and once we get in, everything will be good. You, you know what I mean? Ah, uh, yes, I will relay Mr. President, yes. Putin was the man all along. And then when Putin came back in, changed the constitution, now he's president until what, 2035? They're back to the Soviet Union. Now you protest in the Soviet Union and there have been thousands of protesters, it's treason, you can go to prison, what is it, 15 years? They send you to the gulag, to Siberia. I saw a 70-year-old woman who had two signs, and these two Russian thug policemen talked to her, wanted her to put the signs down. Now this woman was easily in excess of 70. She's seen it all. And I think in Russian it said, no war, you know, out of Ukraine, peace. They arrested her, 70-plus-year-old woman. And by the way, what I saw taking place on the Russian streets, arresting all these police in riot gear, arresting people who were peacefully protesting, there is no difference than what we saw in Canada when Prime Minister Justine Castro Trudeau unleashed the thugs, the police, brutally arresting many peaceful demonstrators and peaceful protesters. And to me, the people that really should look in the mirror are those police. They're thugs. Now, I'm not one that backs the blue unilaterally. I'm not one of these people that says, oh, back the blue no matter what. I'm not crazy. Yeah, I mean, There are some people that are crazy that say, back the blue no matter what. Back the blue. 
I don't take that stance. I judge everything individually. If there is a police man or woman that gets into a situation where their life is threatened and they have to retaliate, they have to fire, and it's legit, I'm fine with it. What we saw took place in Minnesota with George Floyd, that was not legitimate. He should have gone to jail. That's a thug police officer. That's a psychopath. What we saw in Canada with all these thugs and we're seeing in Russia today, they're thugs. I don't support them. I'm not going to sit and, and cry any tears if something bad happens to any of those cops trying to arrest people that are demonstrating or protesting peacefully. There are no weapons in Canada. There's nobody threatening or hitting the police. It was the police that started it all. And following orders is no excuse. The Nazis learned that. All the Nazi officers that said, oh, we were just following orders to put people in the gas chamber and to kill people and round them up. No excuse. And if I'm a cop and I'm told, go arrest those peaceful protesters, I say, I'm not going to do it. They're not violating the law. And I don't care if there is an emergency declaration. They are not criminals. So when I see cops that act as thugs or as Nazi SS agents, Gestapo agents, you're damn right I'm going to call them out. I'm not going to support them. I don't give a shit if something bad happens to them. And I know people are saying, how can you say that? You, you're wishing ill on a cop? Listen, if a cop brutalizes someone like the Gestapo and the SS did, and they're taken out, fine, I have no problem with it. I have a problem if somebody innocently goes up to a cop and whacks them. That's a different story. But if police are breaking the law, they're breaking the law, and they're arresting peaceful protesters, and there's a scenario where there's some reason they're injured, no problem. I don't believe that all cops are good. There's a tremendous number of cops that are bad. And I can tell you that for fact because I've spoken to many good cops that have said, General, we got problems. A lot of these younger guys we're bringing on, they're, they're juiced up on testosterone. A lot of these guys are psychopaths. They get into these big adrenaline rushes when they can pull someone over and try to get into a confrontational situation. We see it all the time. The cops of today are different than the cops that walk the beat 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And I've been an advocate for more cops to walk a beat in downtown areas. They should be walked. Get to know the people. Get to know the residents. Get to know kids. Get to know residents, shop owners. That's how it should be. But today's cop, you, you can pick them out a mile away. They're the ones that are wearing shirts that are about three sizes too small, and their big you know, muscles are bulging up, and you can see the veins popping through their head because they're loaded on testosterone. Sergeant Steve, we know somebody that fits that mold, don't we? We sure do. That's right. I think uh, he got whacked, didn't he? He did. That's right. Got a copy, as our late, great friend, may he rest in peace, Ted Webb said, I believe he got himself a copy of the home game. He certainly did. And nobody shed a tear. And nobody would shed a tear for any cops that are bad news, that violate their oath to, pr to protect, to serve, not to arrest innocent protesters that are, breaking, that are not breaking the law. That's different. Now, if you're protesting and you hit a horse or you hit a cop, that's a different story. 
But when I saw cops, people that were in Canada that were coming out of their trucks and saying, I'm going to put my hands up, I'm going to put my hands behind my back, they voluntarily, peacefully surrendered themselves. Then these cops put them to the ground and were beating them up. Those cops deserve every bit of misery that should be inflicted upon them. I won't shed a tear. I can tell you, I won't shed a tear if, if all of a sudden we read something happens to them. And that may sound harsh, but cops are not above the law. And in situations like this, when we see people that are protesting, look at what's going on in Russia right now, peacefully protesting. Those cops should say, I'm not going to arrest people that are peacefully protesting. Not going to do it. Shouldn't have been done here. Shouldn't be done in Canada. Should not be done anywhere. But what we are seeing now is Russia has become the Soviet Union again. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, I'm not advocating in any way, shape, or form that we should create a no-fly zone. I understand why Ukraine wants it. What Russia has, has been doing, what Putin has been doing, has been brutal. Dropping those cluster bombs, those thermobaric bombs, gutting out buildings where civilians, that is inexcusable. Putin must be taken out, and I believe that one of his inner circle is going to do it. A couple of bullets to the head, a couple of bullets to the heart. I have no problem with the assassination of Vladimir Putin. He is no different than Adolf Hitler. There is no difference. He has inflicted murder and violence, casualties, multiple countries around the world. His generals, when he said, we're going to go to a nuclear state of, uh, of readiness, there's that long time. And, and to show how isolated and how very odd Putin has become, he's sitting at this long table that looked like it was 50 feet long. He's sitting at the end, and he's got his two Soviet generals sitting there at the very far end. Like he's on the end, you know, like right at the end. And they're sitting on the side, but at the end. And he's looking at them and saying, we're going to do this. And, and they had cameras on them. And when he said, we're going to go to this state of readiness, you could see both generals slump. And, and, and their facial expressions changed, thinking, what the fuck is he doing? Do you think any of these Russian generals want to get into war, want to go into Ukraine? You think any of these troops really want to go in? No, they lied to him. They told him they're going there for uh, first for, for drills, military exercises. And oh, when you are going, you're going to be welcomed as heroes. I think we've heard that before, haven't we? Think those generals really want to get into an altercation? You think they want to even discuss nuclear? They're not stupid. They have zero interest in that. But it was very odd to see those two guys at the end of the and just Putin sitting there. He meets with with uh, President Macron of France. They're sitting at the same table. Macron is at one end of the table, and Putin's at the other, 50 feet away. How the hell do you have a conversation 50 feet away? Either Putin, it's clearly a power move, or he's either like germophobic or afraid of getting anything, or who knows. But it's very odd, odd display of behavior. You're sitting that far away from everybody? There's no doubt that many of in his inner circle, including the Russian uh, head of the spy agency, he was dressed down over a week ago by Putin. He said we should allow diplomacy, we should talk, and then Putin went, I mean, just nailed him. Nailed him. Speak clearly. What do you really mean? And the guy was stumbling. You could tell he had zero desire 
for a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Zero. It is going to be incumbent upon one of Putin's inner circle or one of his security detail with a rational mind to realize that the only way out of this is for Putin to receive two bullets in the head or in the heart. He must be whacked. End of discussion. My prediction is it's going to happen. Don't know when, but it will happen. But in the meantime, what has what the United States and what have the world done? Well, they have now imposed economic sanctions. I have no problem with imposing economic sanctions. What I do have a problem with now is now these Russian oligarchs, they're seizing their yachts, their bank accounts, they're making them sell this and that. The Russian oligarchs didn't give the order to go into Ukraine. The hockey players, even though they may have taken pictures with Putin and may like Putin, they didn't give the order. I just saw that a, a, a Russian opera singer in New York at the Metropolitan Opera now is essentially being forced down, forced out, because she condemned the war, but she didn't condemn the fact that, you know, she's known Putin. What took place in Canada by seizing bank accounts, Trudeau using the Emergency Powers Act that had never been used in 50 years, using now the threat of financial destruction to seize bank accounts and to impose essentially a social score for those people who either peacefully protested or donated is reprehensible. It is financial warfare. This is censorship. Now they're saying, oh, no, 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 we're, we're, we, don't, we don't believe in censorship. But if we find that you are supporting a political movement that we don't agree with, well, then we're going to invoke an emergency act and we can come and seize your bank account. That's exactly what they're doing. They're canceling, cancel culture. They're doing it to Russian oligarchs. Now, these Russian oligarchs aren't saints. Remember, this goes back to Yeltsin. When they went to Yeltsin and the, they said, okay, we're, gonna, we're, all, we're now going to privatize oil and the steel industry and this industry and that industry, it was all who you knew. Now, you may not like that system, but they didn't break any Russian laws. They didn't break any world laws. It's, not, it's really no other country's business. It's no... It's not the United States' business. It's not Britain's business, Canada, France's business. If Russia decides, hey, we're going to divvy up, we're going to take assets that were owned by the state, and we're going to divvy them up. It's none of their business. But now Russian oligarchs having their boats seized, their yachts seized, their planes seized, their passports revoked, that to me is excessive. They didn't give the order. Do you think any of these oligarchs are thrilled that Putin gave the order to go into Ukraine? Absolutely not. Do you think that one of the... Sergeant Steve, Tampa Bay Lightning, which uh, you are involved with, they have numerous Russian players. You think any of those Russian players are like, yes, go into, let's go into Ukraine, let's kick Ukraine's ass. I don't see that, do you? Nope. nope. They are, they love America. They, they play here, they go back to Russia. I think many of them end up settling here uh, after they after they uh, retire playing in the National Hockey League. Some go back, but many like the United States of America. They have no beef with the United States. They don't, they're not warmongers. They're not saying, hey, let's go get Ukraine, and when we're done, the United States should invade Canada. 
frankly, even if we couldn't, it would invade Canada, do we want Canada? Not really. No. There's nothing worth a shit in Canada. I mean, there are some things. Tim Hortons coffee and donuts are good. But I mean, do we want the, the problem with two languages, with Quebec and then the rest of the, of the country speaking English? That's a disaster. We don't want a bilingual country. We don't want the great white north. Yeah, they got some oil assets. Okay, maybe we'll take those. But you want to live in Saskatoon? You want to live in, in Edmonton in the middle of the winter? No, thank you. Not interested. Most Russians, I would guarantee you 80% of Russians in Russia do not believe that you, Putin should have invaded Ukraine. Everybody wants to live peacefully. Nobody wants to live under the threat of war, under missiles. So let's take a look back. Let's recap here. We go back to 91. First mistake, NATO, instead of bringing Russia into the fold and saying, you know what, NATO's changed. Russia's now democratic. We're going to change NATO from a military organization to now more of a unifying political body, like the United Nations, but primarily for Europe, the United States, and Canada. That would have been ideal. Mistake number one. Mistake number two, most recently, not getting tough with Putin, not being tough, Biden not being tough, the, the screwed up withdrawal from Afghanistan, one thing after another. And now to go after these Russian oligarchs, to go after an opera singer, hockey players, conductors, Normal Russians who, yeah, listen, sometimes to function in Russia, yeah, you got to kiss Putin's ass. The same thing happens here in the United States, by the way. Don't, don't, don't kid yourself, all right? If you're in business and you're in a state that's run by a Democrat governor or you've got Democrat senators and you may be a diehard Republican, we see it all the time. They have to kiss the other side's ass too. That's how it works. That's the way the game is played. But we don't all of a sudden say, oh, President uh, 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 Biden's now in. So therefore, every single Republican, and that's what they want, believe me, the Democrats would love to debank and deplatform and cancel every Republican, every American that voted for Trump. It's not how it works. But unfortunately, what we are seeing, starting with Canada a month ago, and now what we're seeing the United States and the UK and world countries around the world seizing assets and homes, they didn't steal those homes. They didn't steal those yachts. They paid for them. You may not like how they became wealthy. You may not like that they're worth billions, but they didn't break any laws doing it. You may say, hey, it's kind of unscrupulous how it came about in Russia. I won't disagree, but they didn't break any laws. That's how they do it in Russia. And by the way, there are many other countries where bakshish, which is legalized bribery, is custom. You go to many countries, hey, you want this? You got to do this. You got to smear them. You got to grease them. That's how it works. Even though in the United States, we look down on that. Oh, that's not right. How many times have you gone in to a restaurant or somewhere and you say, listen, I want a great table. You go to the maitre d', you put 20 bucks in your hand, whatever it is. You shake his hand. Yes, sir, let me get you a table. It's no different. Sometimes you got to pay certain people off. And the oligarchs, how did they do that? Yep, eventually they had to pay Putin off. 
He gets a, 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 gets a vig. He gets a skim of everything. That's how it goes. Now, do I believe that Putin's days are numbered? Absolutely. Do I hope that one of his inner circle will take him out? You better believe it. Because I think when that happens, you will see an immediate exit. And you will see a movement by whomever becomes president of Russia to move back into the mainstream fold and the democratic fold, not the Soviet fold. I hope the Ukrainians under the very brave President Zelensky, I hope they triumph. I hope the world will come to their rescue when they are, the, the, the Ukrainians push out and hopefully drive out the Russians one way or another because they will need a ton of rebuilding. No ifs, ands, or buts. Am I in favor of putting American boots on the ground? No. Am I in favor of a no-fly zone? No. What Europe should have done, and what the, American, uh, the United States should have done four months ago was to beef up the Ukrainian army, air force, military, provide them with the ammo and the weapons they needed to be able to resist the Russians, the Soviets. Biden didn't do it. The Europeans didn't do it. And now the Europeans, it's amazing. The Germans, everything President Trump said when he, be, when, he, when he first met with NATO countries, NATO allies, he said, look, you guys are deadbeats. There are 29 countries in NATO. 21 of the 29 are not paying their fair share. We're paying 4% of our GDP plus in military expenditures and in NATO contributions. 21 countries are not paying their fair share, including you, Germany. And the country in which you want the United States to protect you from, Russia, Soviet Union, let's call it what it is these days under Putin, the very country that you want protection from, you are now entering into a deal to be totally dependent on their natural gas through a new pipeline. And yet you want us to pick up the tab? Uh-uh. He gave Angela Merkel a white flag and said, this is what you'll be flying if you do this deal with the Russians. Because you will be surrendering your sovereignty, you will be surrendering your energy to Putin and the Soviets and the Soviet Union. And then Merkel said, well, we will increase our spending, but it'll take us to 2035 to get to the 2%. Too little, too late. Now the new German chancellor, right after they are all shitting radioactive lead bricks, said we are going to change the German constitution to mandate 2% of GDP spending on defense. Oh, and we're going to cancel the, uh, the pipeline. And we're going to keep our nuclear reactors open. Remember, there was a big push, green energy. We want, we want to get rid of nuclear power plants. We want renewables. But yet, what happens? They outsource their energy to Russia. And that's what all the greenies here in the United States want to do. They want to essentially, they, they would love for gas to be 8, 10 bucks a gallon. And they are delusional thinking, well, everybody will drive around in their EVs, their electrical vehicles. We need a green economy. Well, we've got a little interesting little tidbit on that. Because if you decide that we're going to go all electrical vehicles, number one, the lithium and cobalt required for lithium batteries comes from where? 
China. 90% of the reserves of lithium, cobalt, are in China. And there's a big mine, a lithium mine in Africa. Do you know who brokered a transaction that Americans wanted to buy, but instead it was sold to the Chinese? And you know who brokered that? That would be crack addict and crack whore Hunter Biden. Treasonous. But now, what do we see? A big push. Let's go all electrical vehicles. Great. So we could be further dependent on China? Oh, and by the way, how do you recharge those electrically powered vehicles? Well, you need to plug into a power source. You need to build more power plants. Don't give me this bullshit about windmills and about solar. Because at night, when everybody is charging their EVs, there is no solar. And you can't build batteries big enough to harness all the solar energy produced during the day. So those are two fantasies. We don't want nuclear, and we don't want coal. Well, what's the cleanest burning fuel? It is natural gas. What country is sitting on more reserves than any other country in the world? The United States of America. So now we have to build more power plants that use natural gas, which is a carbon fuel, to power these electrical vehicles. And oh, by the way, if the electrical vehicle catches fire, the fire department won't put it out because you can't use water. You have to use special chemicals, which the fire departments don't have. Case in point, the Felicity Ace, a cargo ship carrying cars and SUVs from Germany, most from the Volkswagen Group, Audi, Porsches, Bentleys, Lamborghinis, 4,000 vehicles, many of them electrically powered vehicles, caught fire a couple of weeks ago. Actually, uh, uh, caught fire February 16th, to be specific. Crew abandoned ship. The ship was traveling from Emden, Germany, en route to Davisville, Rhode Island, when it caught fire in the Atlantic Ocean, 90 miles south of the Azores just west of Portugal. The ship, they essentially had to let the ship burn because you can't use water on those electrical vehicles. Now, who knows how it started? Could have been one of the electrical vehicles. Maybe it wasn't. But however it started, now these batteries start going up. You cannot use water. And while the ship, the Felicity Ace, was being towed back to port, it sunk. 4,000 vehicles were $335 million in the drink. Volkswagen announced the damage will be covered by insurance. But some of the cars, some Lamborghinis, a V12 Aventador's, uh, Aventador, most expensive Lamborghini production model, over 400,000, less than 800 are built each year. This is the last year the model's being offered. Apparently, there were a good number of, uh, on board the ship, gone. Bye-bye, and you got to wait forever to get those cars. So now with electric vehicles, now we are going to be dependent on China. They catch fire. You can't put them out with water. You have to let them burn, so that's a further hazard. And then recycling. Good luck recycling. There are more hazardous chemicals in those batteries than are imaginable. You can't recycle those. And there's still debate on how you deal with them. You put them in a landfill, but they could leak. What do you do with them? Nobody knows. And oh, by the way, you still need to build more power plants. Here's a better solution. Let's go to 
natural gas-fueled cars and engines. Liquefied natural, uh, natural gas. We see buses. We see trucks that are fueled. They're clean. They're quiet. We could do the exact same thing with cars. But no, everybody wants to get into the electrical vehicle space. Good luck. It's fantasy. It is pie in the sky. And so everything President Trump said to Germany and to the European countries, pony up, pony up, pay your fair share. Now all of a sudden, they can't wait to write checks. And now all of a sudden, what is it, Finland and Sweden, they want to become members of NATO. Everybody wants to save their ass. When they could have three months ago, back Ukraine. When they could have three years ago or 30 years ago paid their fair share. No American president ever called them out, with the except, exception of President Donald Trump. And when he did, what are the liberal news presenters and anchors and reporters and pundits say? President Trump is driving a wedge with our allies. He's calling out our allies. That's not diplomacy. He's, he's, he's putting a wedge. We have to stay at the table. They look like a bunch of horses' asses. President Trump was right all along. But never, ever underestimate the ability of Democrats to screw up and take their eye off the ball. What, was the re what is the real ball is China and also Russia to a degree. But instead, they had to start coming up with phony concocted bullshit about a phony dossier, and Trump is, in, is a traitor, and this call with Ukraine. Instead of doing the work for the American people, protecting Americans, looking out for America first, they weakened America. They are treasonous, they are traitors. Democrats are enemies of America. They have proven it again and again. President Trump spoke the truth, and when he did, he was castigated by the Democrats the libs, the socialists, and of course, all the enemies of America. But now, a mere three years later, all these European NATO countries are running to the bank, can't write checks quick enough to bolster their defense, and they can't get equipment over to Ukraine fast enough when they could have done it three months ago. Three, four months ago, they could have delivered missiles and, and MiGs from Poland and Slovakia and, and, and other countries that are former Soviet bloc countries because in Ukraine they're still flying MiGs. You'd have to train people on, on American planes. But they have MiGs. They have 80 in Poland and these other countries. 100 they could have sent over. We could have sold Ukraine more missiles. But we didn't. Because Biden is always a, a day late and a dollar short to the party. It is truly absolutely pathetic. And you know what else is pathetic? Wussified beta males. You know and I know we have seen over the last 40 years a resurgence. Not a resurgence, a surgence. Because men weren't always betas. They were alphas. They took charge. In the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, men were take charge. And what happened starting in the 70s? The feminist movement rises, comes to power. And they start castigating men. Men are evil. Men are keeping women down. There's the glass ceiling. It's all men. From the time that, uh, that, that little boys are born, they are sexual predators 
in the making. Sexual predators just lying ready to pounce when they get older. And we saw the wussification of the American male. We saw an increase in the number of single parent households where males, where boys, were raised primarily by their mothers. No male role model, no male influence, no alpha male to teach them, to show them, to teach them how to be men, how to act. Instead, over the last 40 years, we have seen American boys turn into American adolescents, turn into American males that cannot make decisions, that are weak, that are spineless, that walk with their head down, that are afraid of their own shadow, that are not decisive. It is caught up. Men have become feminized. Boys have become feminized. Adolescents have become feminized. Where now it is, it is glorified if you get in touch with your feminine side. If all of a sudden now you start singing Kumbaya and start crying all the time, it's glorified. We see Hollywood glorifying the fact that men are weak and men are stupid and can't make decisions if not for their wives or other women. And sooner or later, when boys see this, they start believing it. They start feeling inadequate. They feel that they are, they, they, they should feel guilty about being boys, being males, that they are the cause of problems. They're talked down to. They are abandoned in schools and classrooms. A majority of college graduates are now women, not a slight majority, an overwhelming majority. That's not by accident. It is because over the last 40 years, boys have been abandoned and ignored in classrooms, on grade school levels, high school, and even college. We see that men are stereotypically portrayed as being indecisive, oafy, doofuses, dumb, Women are the organized ones. They're the smart ones. They're the planners. They're the ones that succeed. The men are just kind of lazy and stupid. And when boys see this on a regular basis, what happens? They start believing they are inferior. They start feeling like they are feminized. And now we are seeing proof in the pudding, or proof in the testosterone. We're seeing studies now that have shown, that have confirmed that male testosterone levels are dropping like lead bricks off a 100-story building. Now, there are different claims. Some people are saying that it could have an endocrinology aspect to it, that there could be issues with various hormones that are being changed. There are uh, rising obesity levels sedentary lifestyles, exposure to uh, what they say, gen harmful gender-bending chemicals. You know, if you drink from a, a plastic bottle, they're saying that chemicals such as uh, phthalates, uh, bisphenol A chemicals that are used in plastics, electronics, packaging, pesticides, cosmetics, personal hygiene products, known to interfere with the body's hormonal balances by mimicking the effects of natural estrogen. And that's why testosterone levels are decreasing. I say no. 
The reason testosterone levels are decreasing is because boys, young adults, and men have been growing up now feeling to be, feeling as if they should be wussified and feminized. They don't feel masculine anymore. And what do we see all over the place? Oh, it's okay to be quadrigender, multigender. There are three genders, male, female, and freak. You know if you're a male, look down. You know if you're a female, look down and look up. Very simple. Anything else is in the freak category. But now we almost want to glorify if you want to chop your, your pecker off. If women want to get rid of their vajayjay and get, uh, get a, a, a tallywhacker, as they say in Britain, as Mick the Brit would say. There is no doubt in my mind that this is having a psychological effect. It's not a chemical effect. A psychological effect that boys now are being raised to be girls, to be feminized. And so what happens? We're seeing low testosterone and rising estrogen. Do the math. You can blame chemicals and obesity and sedentary all you want. The real truth is that men now are being excoriated in the event they show male tendencies and alpha male tendencies. What do we hear from women when Trump would, would be decisive? Oh, he's flexing his alpha male, his, his alpha male, you know, peacock feathers. He, he's showing he's trying to be an alpha male. Oh, he's going around like I'm the big alpha male in the, in the world. You're damn fucking right. Be proud to be an alpha male. I'm proud. You're proud to be alpha males. But when we hear these feminists, these ugly broads that couldn't get laid in a male whorehouse for money, castigating men, deriding men at every opportunity, insinuating that any man that shows decisive alpha tendencies needs to have be castrated right off the bat. They have castrated men without physically chopping off our nuts. They didn't need surgery to do it. It just took them 40 plus years to keep talking and to keep influencing and to change perceptions and change boys' minds. Remember, you brainwash a boy from the time he's young and tell him, you don't want to be aggressive now. Don't, 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 don't play normally like you would do. You want to play with dolls and you got to want to get along. No roughhousing now. Get in touch with your feminine side. It's okay to cry. Let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And it's okay to play with dolls. It's okay to play female dress-up. They are turning boys into girls, males into females. It has happened before our very eyes. We have seen it. It is happening. And the proof now is in the pudding. Studies coming out. It started the Massachusetts Male Aging Study which looked at men in the Boston area in, in three separate periods spanning 17 years, 87 to 89, 95 to 97, 2002 to 2004. And then 2007, they looked at testosterone levels, and they showed testosterone levels decreasing 12 13% each year. And then a 2012 study of Finnish men, same thing, generational decline in testosterone levels. And now we're seeing it more and more and more. This isn't surprising. And now they're saying, well, men, the way they're going, they might not be able to re reproduce in another 20 years. Of course, because the feminists want to get rid of the male species. They would love a world with all 
feminists, with all ugly women. Because let's face it, ugly women don't need men. There's nothing they provide a man. Men aren't going to look and say, ooh, man, you're, you're getting me uh, hot here. I'm getting a woody. Come on, let's go have sexy time. Never happened. So ugly feminists, ugly women, they can't attract men, so they don't need men. Don't you always hear, oh, we, women, we don't need men. We, 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 can, we, we don't need to, we can live without men. They're fine to have around, but we can live without them. No, the only ones that can live without them are the ugly feminists that can't get a man, that aren't attractive, that are, that are I don't want to say dogs because I've got Pendragon's Royal Baron here, and as soon as I said that, he gave me a look like, hey, I'm a good-looking dog. Baron, I apologize. I'm not going to infer that ugly women are dogs. That is an insult to canines across the globe. They're ugly women that can't get men, that don't offer men anything, that simply would prefer to be men, but because they are not men, their mission in life is to eradicate men. And how do you eradicate young boys from becoming men? Simple. Brainwash them. Tell them it is not healthy to be strong, to act like an alpha male. Tell them it's better if they show their feminine side. And what happens after 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Testosterone levels decrease because the mind, the brain, where the pituitary gland is located, that is responsible for the production of testosterone. is regulated in the, in the pituitary gland in the brain. What happens? The brain starts thinking, hey, I'm not supposed to be male. I shouldn't. No, let's back off on the testosterone. And that's exactly what is happening. Never apologize for being an alpha male. Never apologize for raising alpha males. Never apologize for calling a feminist out for what they really are. Ugly women that can't get laid and can't get a man that are miserable in their own lives. If feminists want to be miserable, fine. But we need to start acting like alphas and telling females, uh, correction, telling feminists to shove it. Otherwise, the male species will become extinct. And I can tell you from plenty of females, they crave strong, decisive alpha males that are take charge. They don't want a wussified beta. They bitch and moan about how pathetic it is on the dating scene because men have become so weak. They don't want to be men, uh, a boy, men's mommies. They want men to take charge and run the show. They want to feel feminine. They want to feel like women. And they like a man in charge, specifically an alpha male in charge, which is what we all are. Now, we may have some beta stragglers that want to be alphas, Keep paying attention, listen long enough, I will wear off on you. Never apologize for being an alpha male. And never apologize for standing up to the ugly feminists. The final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder 
and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. All right, finally, I want to wrap it up. Two items. As you know, I have been a big advocate talking about the availability of pharmaceuticals that are readily available, that have been available for 40 years. In treating, in treating the CCP Wuhan virus. There are therapeutics that have been around that are being repositioned, used for other issues that have been very successful treating the Wuhan virus. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, uh, zithromycin, vitamin D, vitamin, Christian, vitamin D3, vitamin C. We know the last two years, that it has worked. In fact, phony Fauci, Fuhrer Fauci knew that hydroxychloroquine was effective against SARS-CoV-1. The Wuhan virus is SARS-CoV-2, 94% identical RNA. He knew it. There was a, there was a, a, a well-known publicized article in the NIH's Virology Magazine, August 2005. Correction, August 1995. That show, no, August 2005 that showed hydroxychloroquine effective against SARS-CoV-1. Ivermectin, we've known, as antiviral, has anti-inflammatory properties. Zinc, antiviral, but you need a zinc ionophore to get it in the cell. Azithromycin to protect the lungs. Vitamin D3, absolutely important, reducing inflammation and increasing immunity. Vitamin C, anti-inflammatory. We've known this. Physicians over the last year and a half have been using those therapeutics, cheap therapeutics, successfully. But along the way, we had Fauci, we had Big Pharma, we had Democrats that politicized the use of inexpensive therapeutics, effective therapeutics, so they could push the vaccine. And the vaccine is fine, but it was initially intended for high-risk individuals, seniors, immunocompromised. It wasn't intended for healthy people. They knew that therapeutics worked, but every step along the way, President Trump was railroaded, the FDA, CDC, Fauci, state governors, they prevented, in many cases, physicians from practicing medicine. There has never been a law 
in this country in the last two years stating how the Wuhan virus must be treated. There is no standard Wuhan virus protocol. Fauci's never come out with one. The FDA, CDC, when people say, oh, ivermectin is not an approved protocol to treat the Wuhan virus or COVID. There are no approved protocols. What they're referring to are expensive drugs such as remvesidir at 3,000 a dose, which the FDA said, okay, we're approving its use primarily for COVID, but that's not how we're recommending people get treated. And by the way, if you get that in the hospital, chances are it's gonna do tremendous damage to your kidneys. You're gonna run up a big bill and it does nothing. The only thing is if you're gonna get out of the hospital, it helps you get out a couple of days later, that's it. Ivermectin being used around the world. African countries that take ivermectin as a, as a prophylactic against river blindness, the various pathogens that are down in Africa, have a very low rate of the Wuhan virus. Virtually no deaths, no hospitalizations, no contracting it. India's used it, used it successfully. Japan, other countries have used it. And now isn't it amazing when we hear, oh no, this is, follow the science, follow the science. But yet, all the Democrats, the Democrat governors, the CDC, FDA bureaucrats, Fauci, they never wanted to follow the hospitals, the medical industrial complex, big pharma, they didn't want to follow the science. They knew the science showed that the cheap available therapeutics worked. Key is get it early on, within the first five days. And I read, talked to you about a study that I, uh, about two episodes ago, that shows that even in hospitalized patients, ivermectin, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, very effective, even if they're hospitalized, showing that I think 267 out of 268 patients that were hospitalized received that protocol, all but one got out of the hospital, one woman died, but she had very low vitamin D levels. So 267 out of 268 get out of the hospital on just using that protocol. The evidence is there, it has been there. And now that the truth is coming to light and now that we're hearing Democrats saying, well, the science shows we can open up, no more masks. Now, if that's the case, why do they put these ridiculous date limitations? And starting March 28th, we are going to eliminate masks. Why not just do it immediately? Now all of a sudden they say the science has changed. No, the science hasn't changed. We've known masks are bullshit, except for high-risk individuals. And you need to wear an N95 mask, and even then there's no guarantee. We've known that therapeutics work if it's treated early. But what has changed is the politics, the polling data. And before you know it, November is going to be here. And the Democrats are getting slaughtered. And now you see people that are so brainwashed that they're still keeping masks on. I saw this protest in New York where these people, about 30 people, were singing, saying we need to keep the masks on. We need to keep, to keep, to keep protecting other people. It's not, about, it's not about me. It's about you. These people are crazy. Mass psychosis. You tell people lies long enough, they start believing them. Well, you may have seen an ad, depending on where you live, Tampa, we've seen TV commercials. In Virginia, there are now about, I think there are 15 or 20 medical schools and universities 
and research uh, universities that are now participating in a new nationwide study to find new effective drugs to treat the Wuhan virus. You may have seen an ad saying, if you currently have COVID, researchers are studying the effects of fluvoxamine and ivermectin to treat the Wuhan virus. If you're interested in participating, please call this number now. Now, fluvoxamine is an antidepressant. Ivermectin is an anti-inflammatory, anti-RNA. Uh, it is uh, treated, used to treat parasitic infections, but has been used in many other off-label instances. But now, all of a sudden, what do we see? They're going to get 15,000 people in this trial to see if one, both, or neither works. Well, I can tell you, ivermectin will absolutely come out saying it works. You think they would do a 15,000 study, spend all this money if they didn't have an inkling it works? Now what they want to do to protect Democrats, say, okay, ivermectin works because we've finally done the studies, even though it's been used for a year and a half. You didn't need, there's 70 studies out already, but now they're going to legitimize it by saying we found a medical breakthrough. And they are counting on the fact that most people will forget that they were the ones that have been saying ivermectin is bad, it's evil, it can kill you, it can cause all sorts of issues. No, what can cause side effects and issues and kill you are the two antivirals that are now being pushed by Merck and by Pfizer that are 750 bucks for treatment. All sorts of side effects only tested on 2,000 people for less than a year. Ivermectin hydroxychloroquine have been out for 45 years. Very safe, very efficacious drugs. So now all of a sudden, we are seeing researchers coming out saying, we're very excited to take part in this 15,000-person nationwide study to determine if these drugs are effective. We already know it. And I thought it was very interesting that Mr. Vaccine himself, Bill Gates, who talks like Kermit the Frog, who may be Kermit the Frog, came out this week and said, well, Omicron has really proved to be nature's, nature's uh, effective vaccine. The man that was pushing 10 boosters, 20 boosters, more vaccines, all of a sudden came out last week and said, Omicron is nature's vaccine because it has mutated to a point where it is highly contagious, but it's severely weak. It's severely weakened. And it doesn't, in rare instances, does it go into the respiratory tract. It stays above the lungs. Sergeant Steve, you had Omicron. Tell us your symptoms. Sore throat. What else? That was it. No cough? No achiness? Nope. No headache? Nope. How long did it take you to recover? Three days. Did they put you on anything? No. Did you take Advil or Tylenol? No. Okay. And cured, and now you're immune. So, nature's, what I have been saying, it's nature's attenuated live vaccine. Sergeant Steve, you are case in point. You caught it. And by the way, you never caught the, the Delta or the Alpha variant, correct? No. So you avoided it for two years, and then all of a sudden, boom, Omicron comes around, and about a month ago you get it, kind of out of the clear blue, 
and then a sore throat, that's it. Move on, move forward. You test negative. I didn't think I now, had it. I just I went and got tested just because I was going to work with some older folks. Oh, so you didn't know. So you didn't really I'm, have I have a sore throat. Symptoms. I thought it was just a wintertime sore throat. I mean, it's what happens every winter. There you go. It wasn't bad. I've had a lot worse. Well, now you are. You have natural antibodies. So Bill Gates, Mr. We need more vaccines. Everybody take 10 vaccines, 20 boosters. Now all of a sudden they're finding, yeah, not so fast. Not so fast. And now pediatricians are saying that do, I, I just, Mrs. Harem of one Gina just sent me a picture this morning. She was taking one, I think, uh, one of her daughters to the pediatrician. I think it was for a sports physical. And now there's a sign on the pediatrician's door saying that in the event that your child has been vaccinated, we will not sign off on any physicals to play sports because what they have found, if you have taken the vaccine, that it causes inflammation around the heart. And what they found is that a sudden surge of adrenaline, like if you're playing and you exert yourself, that can cause the inflammation to cause a heart attack, the heart to stop, cardiac arrest. Now they're discovering this. Very first time. She sent that to me this morning. In fact, let me, let me read that to you, exactly what it says. So I have give you the exact statement. It says, student athletes, sports physicals are done primarily to make sure you are not at high risk for sudden cardiac death on the playing field. COVID vaccinations affect your risks. In response to worldwide experience and vaccine adverse event monitoring, we are adopting a more precautionary sports physical sign-off policy. If you have received doses of any COVID shot, we will not be able to clear you to compete in sports without performing lab work and possibly an echocardiogram to rule out potential heart damage. You are going to see that more and more because the last thing a physician wants to have happen, he does a sports physical, the student athlete drops dead on the field, you know who's going to get sued, when in reality who should get sued are the vaccine makers, but they have immunity so they're not getting sued. So this is very interesting. I, I believe you will start to see this more and more. We're seeing athletes, healthy athletes, soccer players that run of great cardiac endurance. They're dropping, they're dropping dead. They're getting heart attacks. And now they're finding it's because of the adrenaline, the adrenaline rush, which exacerbates the myocarditis or pericarditis. But now here we see that there's a study. Nationwide, 15,000 people. Because now that the Democrats have said, yep, we're eliminating masks and everything, now they must have a way to treat the Wuhan virus to be simply like the common cold. And what's their method? Now they are going to legitimize ivermectin. All those physicians that were demonized, that were brought up in front of state licensing boards, that were kicked off hospital staffs, that were demonized by the medical industrial complex are now all of a sudden going to be proven right. They've been proven right for over a year and a half. We've seen it around the world. There have been studies. But now, conveniently, you will see the medical industrial complex and Big Pharma magically forget about all the naysaying they did. 
You'll hear Fauci saying, well, this is really, this is, now we legitimately have the first experiment. I never said ivermectin didn't work. No, I never said that. I said ivermectin just needed to be studied. We need a full trial. And now that we have it, this is wonderful. Fuhrer Fauci is full of Fauci shit. He's known all along the therapeutics work, but he's wanted to keep the Wuhan virus going on. And now that all of a sudden Ukraine's in the news, he's nowhere to be found. It's nice that way. But we should have been rid of Fauci long ago. Trump should have fired him. Biden should have fired him. One lesson we should learn, we should never rely upon one powerful and, and bureaucratic political individual like Fuhrer Fauci to be responsible for the strategy of battling an epidemic or a pandemic or any health scare across this country. Not the person who doles out billions in research grants so that people that want to disagree with them won't disagree with them. They'll feel afraid to disagree with them. We should have a team of great physicians. President Trump should have said, I'm going to bring in 50 physicians who are treating people on the front line in clinical settings, not one bureaucrat that sits in a cushy office at the NIH. That was the mistake. Finally, last story. Stacey Abrams. Miss, I'm not conceding the gubernatorial election. Now, when Trump said, hey, there were shenanigans, oh, you better, you better, you better concede. But Democrats never have to concede. And it was Stacey Abrams who conned and, and intimidated the governor and secretary of state of Georgia into signing an illegal consent decree to allow drop boxes and all this bullshit, uh, mail-in ballots, total fraud. Well, she was on Comedy Central's The Daily Show. And she's, of course, like all the other Democrats, fetching and bitching and moaning, saying, oh, the Republicans are out to take away people's right to vote. We're seeing a threat on our democracy. We're seeing our people are, are being intimidated. This is Jim Crow laws all over again. Never mind the Jim Crow laws were enacted by Democrats. They always forget slavery, Jim Crow. That was the product of Democrats. They like to forget that, conveniently. And now what she did was she equated this fantasy, really this fantasy about people's voting rights being taken away with what is taking place in Ukraine. She said that Democrats, she argued that Democrats' efforts to loosen voting rights laws in the United States were akin to the war in Ukraine in which Russia invaded the Eastern European country. Paraphrasing a quote from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, in which he said that President Vladimir, Russian President Vladimir Putin was engaging in a war on democracy with his invasion of Ukraine. She said that allowing democracy to be overtaken by those who want to choose who can be heard based on animus was wrong. Okay, she says, the process of voting is nonpartisan. Well, it should be. But as we know, the Democrats have made it partisan. She said everyone should have access to the ability to vote. Okay. Last time I looked, blacks weren't being withheld the opportunity to vote. Asians weren't, whites, uh, legal immigrants, you name it. They, there's no, nobody, I haven't seen anybody that says you can't vote. Actually, this week I did. In Houston, during a primary, they had the vote, and on one side was Democrats, the other Republican, because you vote in your respective primary. Well, the Democrat 
a booth, they, they, uh, voting booths were open and available, but the Republicans weren't. And when questioned, and the guy was videotaped, he said, well, we don't have enough staff, so there, you, you can't vote here. And he said, well, great, I need the number of the sheriff to, to you know, the election board. They wouldn't give it to him, and they essentially called the police and tried to run this guy out. So the only people that are being blocked from voting are Republicans. That is fact. So she says everyone should have access. Everybody does. Black, white, Asian, women, men, transgender, quadragender, everybody can vote. She said it should be easy to vote. It is. We have early voting now. We have, what, two weeks early voting? And you have voting day. How is that not easy? And if you are genuinely disabled, you should be able to, and you can, vote by mail. She should, said it should be accessible. It is. Virtually every state, early voting, they have in every county, loads of polling places. On election day, loads of polling places, they're all accessible, handicapped accessible, anybody that needs assistance. She says there should be freedom to vote. There is. Who's stopping anybody from voting? She says any impediment to that is wrong. That's full stop. I don't care who you vote for. Bullshit. She does care. She only wants votes really counted and phony votes counted for Democrats. Now, she says that all these things that, that you know, you'd think listening to her that there's no access to voting, that it's hard to vote, it's not accessible to vote, there's no freedom to vote, there's impediments to voting. That's horseshit. That's nonsense. This is the fabrication they want to portray. Remember, if you tell a lie often enough, people believe it. Now, Republicans and most independents don't believe there's impediments to voting. In fact, neither do blacks and Democrats, because polls have shown that an overwhelming majority, I think almost 75, 78% of Americans, including black Americans, believe there should be ID presented in order to vote. You should have to present a legal ID. You have to go present an ID to get on an airplane. You have to present an ID to get government benefits. You have to present an ID if you want to go see the president or vice president or Michelle Obama or former President Barack Obama speak. You need to show ID. You want to buy cigarettes, tobacco, or alcohol, you've got to show ID. You have to show ID for virtually everything. So this nonsense that people can't get ID is also a blatant lie because every county now says, okay, if you don't drive, we will make government-issued, count or state-issued IDs available free. And in fact, I know in, in Georgia, in her home state, they actually have mobile vans that go around in communities. People present their proper, their birth certificate or whatever they have, and they get an ID card. There is no limitations on voting in this country. This is nothing more than a rabid lie perpetuated by Democrats so that they can make the voting process more liberal. And when I say that, that means no ID. The ability to vote that day without registering. You don't know who somebody is. And now there's a cutoff, as there should be. Make sure they're legal. Make sure it's legit. They reside where they say they reside. They want to take away any limitations so that they can bust people to the polls that are either illegal aliens or that don't live in the community and say, well, you know, I don't have to show ID so I can vote. Because we all know nobody is prosecuted in a Democrat, under the Democrat-controlled administrations and even in the bureaucracy for voter fraud. Very rare. Virtually never happens. But for her to compare 
what is taking place, Russia invading Ukraine, has nothing to do with democracy. It has everything to do with Putin being a bully and Putin wanting to reestablish Ukraine back to the old Soviet Union days and, and rebuilding back the old Soviet Union. Zelensky was democratically elected, yes. Zelensky now is president of a democratically, of a, of a democratic country. But they had to go through some growing pains because Putin planted his guy in there and there were a lot of shenanigans. But for Trace, uh, Stacey Abrams to equate the death, the violence, the bombing of Ukrainian civilians and innocent Ukrainians by an invasion of Russian armed forces and ar uh, Russian hostilities, to equate that with voting rights in the United States is beyond absurd. But it shows you that Democrats can never go low enough. They will fabricate anything to advance their cause. Remember when Michelle Obama said, remember, when they go low, we go high. That's a load of poppycock. When the Democrats go low, they can go even lower. And that's exactly what Stacey Abrams did. There is no voting restrictions in this country. You want to vote? Go register. I've been to plenty of, of voting when I voted in New York State, when I voted in Maryland, and now voting in Florida. I have never once witnessed any black or any Asian, white, anybody, Democrat, Republican, saying, sorry, you can't vote. Never once. I have seen somebody that said, yeah, I don't have my ID. And they said, well, we will do a provisional ballot. But you still must provide an ID within this time frame. Okay, fine. Remember, if you tell a lie often enough, people will believe it. That's what Putin's doing. He's saying there's all these Nazis. All these Nazis in Ukraine. Let's see. Ukraine, which has a Jewish president in Zelensky and a Jewish prime minister. That would be the first ever Nazi state with two Jewish leaders as their head of state. Go figure. Tell a lie often enough, people will believe it. The good news in Russia, they're not believing it. And the United States, they're not believing it. As always, don't forget to uh, make sure you subscribe to The Cigar Dave Show. Give us five stars. Same thing with our brother podcast, The Bold Alpha Podcast. Wherever you may listen to your podcast, give us a five-star review uh, then as well. As always, follow us on social media, Cigar Dave. Uh, correction, Twitter, at Cigar Dave Show. Facebook, Cigar Dave. Getter, at Cigar Dave. And we have also applied for a new Truth Social account. I think we're number 900,000 on the wait list. But that will be at Cigar Dave as well. So in the meantime, make sure you follow us. As always, Cigar Dave, the general saying, may your humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Screw Vladimir Putin. Two bullets to the head would be great. And we stand with Ukraine.